Welcome to the first episode of From Panels to Pictures, the comic movie and TV podcast from thecomiccrush.com, where we deep dive into all your favourite big and small screen heroes. I'm your host Paul, and I'm going to be joined in just a moment by our very own US correspondent, Liz Jordan, who's dialing in all the way from New York. Sadly, we're breaking the rules right off the bat because our debut show isn't on a comic book movie. But we know a lot of listeners will have a great interest in this particular film, and hey, there is a great range of comics available for this series. Normal comic book movie service will resume shortly, but you can check out everything we've got going on at thecomiccrush.com every week. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, hit us up at thecomiccrush. You can keep up with my co-host, Liz, at Liz C. Jordan, and you can follow me at ManReadComic. And if you like what we're doing over here at The Crush, you can support us on Patreon. So, without further ado, let's dive into our thoughts on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Liz, welcome to the show. Great to hear from you again. We are recording transatlantically for the first time ever. Um, in the United States right now. Yes, you you are in the US. I am here in freezing cold England. Uh, but our hearts both warmed by the fact that we went to see the new Star Wars movie. How did you find it, Liz? Uh, oh, oh, gee, that's a broad question. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, let's narrow it down. What I mean, after Last Jedi, which we both had very mixed feelings about, I think. Yeah. Now, we were hoping, I guess, for something a, a little more in line with the kind of Star Wars that we knew, I, I'm guessing. Uh, I don't want to speak for you, but... My main qualms with The Last Jedi is I think that as the middle part of a trilogy, it didn't leave the story many places to go. For me, I, I felt like a lot of the stuff that I found interesting uh, seated in The Force Awakens, a lot of the mysteries, a lot of the interesting concepts, a lot of the things that I felt could have an interesting payoff uh i felt like kind of got stopped in their tracks in the last jedi and uh uh, and would make it very difficult for the rise of skywalker to feel like the through line of all three films i haven't watched rise of skywalker now i i would have to say that i don't think i was wrong about that right i think they had to kind of scrabble and they had to kind of walk back a number of things that happened in The Last Jedi. Yeah, which I don't necessarily think helped the movie, really. Um, I wonder if they would have been better off just kind of rolling with what they had uh, set up by The Last Jedi. And in, in a way, they did do that. I mean, the we are going to go full spoiler with this, we have to say, right now. So if you haven't watched Last Jedi... Shut us off. Go watch last. Uh, sorry, if you haven't watched Rise of Skywalker, rather, shut us off. Uh, go watch Rise of Skywalker and then come back and, and, and listen to us again. Um, but the particular plot line that I think everyone was really kind of agonising over was the mystery of Ray's parents. Yeah. Now, did you feel that that reveal was the reveal that you wanted? When it finally... Because it comes quite early on in, in, in Rise of Skywalker. I had always liked the idea of Rey's lineage being important and would explain a lot of what happens in Force Awakens and Last Jedi, why she has that power, why she is so strong with the Force, mm. uh, you know, why she kind of gets to 
skip ahead a bit in those movies. You don't actually see her train very much, and yet she's uber powerful. And for me, that's a pretty satisfying explanation for that. Yeah. And because Star Wars is so about lineage. Yes, absolutely. This this is the problem I had with the um, sort of gut punch of Last Jedi, where it's very much, oh, your parents were nobody, they don't matter to this story, you know. That didn't ring true for me because Star Wars has always been a family saga, ultimately. And in fact, it's such a family saga that they made three prequels to tie that family saga right up. So to then be told, no, 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 it's not important, was kind of a gut punch for me. I think if they had done that in this film, Mm. instead of the middle part of the trilogy, I think maybe that could have worked uh, because it would kind of be setting up a future where that stuff doesn't matter. But to put it in the second film when you knew there was going to be a third film, when everything had led up to the reveal being that her lineage was important, I just felt like it was awkwardly placed. And this film does nothing to change my mind about that. It it just illustrates (laughs) the fact that, yeah, there should have been a decision when Force Awakens came out that that was the direction they were going to take it in. And I don't think there was. It very much feels like there wasn't that roadmap. No. In retrospect, it seems that it was very unplanned how they were going to map out this trilogy. And it makes it feel like three separate movies, which of course it is, but, you know, Return um, Star Wars uh, New Hope through to, Last, uh, through to Return of the Jedi didn't feel like three separate movies. It felt like one story split into three parts. And the prequels certainly felt like one story. Whatever else you thought was wrong with them, they felt like a single consistent story. But here we have three separate movies made by two directors, both of whom are terrific directors in their own right, but I don't think necessarily served this story as it needed to be served. That said, I kind of feel satisfied that it's over now, that it's done with. Did you get that sense walking away at the end, or...? I don't know if satisfied is the word I would <laughs> <laughs> um, Which we will get into. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I think that a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie, I think I could have been very satisfied with. Right. Uh, if it had felt like the whole story was there to support it. Unfortunately, I feel like the middle film takes you in a different direction to what the first film lays out and what the last film delivered. Mm. If you were to watch all three films back to back, I think that you wouldn't get a sense of like really strong, linear follow through. Having now watched it, I mean, I I still hold with my, my opinion at the time of Last Jedi that they should have ended Leah's arc in that film, despite the need to give each of the um, original cast members their own kind of film, as it were. Um, I I felt that the decision uh, to have Carrie Fisher in this film, whilst not necessarily detrimental, still wasn't necessarily the, the right decision. And I would have been a lot more satisfied if there was uh, an ending for in Last Jedi. And even if they were still going to remove Luke from the storyline in in Last Jedi, I would have been happy for this film to go ahead to be completely the the, the new cast. Okay. Uh, Um, So you could have done without any cameos from any of the original three. uh, Yeah. 
like I, I just didn't didn't feel it was necessary because then I think I would have felt okay these guys are now the ones the characters I'm following and are, are going to keep this sort of flame alive of this storyline I, I would have felt more comfortable with that and also it would have to have two major deaths in a movie would have completely unseated the audience in such a way as to kind of reinvigorate the excitement about the movies to make you feel, wow, anything can happen going forward. Like, literally anything can happen in this next film. And in a way, anything does happen, but <laughs> it might not be the things that you're you're looking for. <laughs> sure. Um, um, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that Carrie Fisher's presence in the film is needed and welcome but i think it should have been minimized uh a lot i think that you know if they were going to be using the that footage uh the deleted scenes that i think is what they sort of cobbled together to make up her role in the film i think that it would have worked better for me if they had made it a much smaller role because it wasn't seamless there were a lot of moments where you you could really feel that Daisy Ridley was not talking to Carrie Fisher. You could, you know, you could yeah. feel that, you know, it was the back of somebody else's head that you were looking at and that they were cutting back and forth. Yeah, like the lines had been re-recorded in a, in a room somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and also, like, that whole scene where they passed the light saber back and forth about ten times because very clearly they were using different takes of Carrie Fisher right. handing Daisy Ridley the lightsaber and back and forth. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was moments like that that just take you out of it. Mm. It's like, okay, yeah, this feels like deleted scenes because they're just handing this lightsaber back and forth about five times for no reason. And in a way, it's deleted scenes that, that might become a bit of a problem for us because the movie's pace right from the get-go feels off. I don't know if you got that sense. Like, we're just thrown in and we're straight into a chase and then another, ch you know, uh, uh, another chase. And it just felt like we were, we were light speed skipping through the the opening scene in the movie. And I was, yeah, I was really, like, oh. yeah. <laughs> I really spent my time crossing my fingers. God, I hope this settles down and takes a breath. Uh, did you feel it did at any point? No. That was the problem. Like, it just didn't seem to calm down. It was very frenetically paced, mm. I agree. Uh, it was it was sort of chase scene after chase scene after action scene after spectacle. Unfortunately, to the detriment of characterization, I thought, where I felt like the first, like the, uh, the Force Awakens, I felt like that set up some really interesting characters that I was going to grow to to care about and to be really invested in what happens with them. Um, I feel like, unfortunately, this last film didn't give me a lot of that. You know, with some characters in particular, I think some some characters got a little better chance to shine than others. I felt that Ray and Kylo Ren slash Ben uh, got some some decent moments uh, of of characterization. Other characters, I don't feel like they uh, were serviced as well. Unfortunately, because I do like these characters a lot, but to sort of see that this is where they wind up and whether or not they were given satisfying endings i don't know that a lot of that did have to do with the fact that it was uh more spectacle over character in this film 
Sure. And when you're dealing with, with Star Wars, I mean, we have to remember that the first film in particular, the very first, you know, uh, um, A New Hope, is, a, is one long chase sequence broken up by location. Um, That's true. That's true. But I do, I do feel like that movie took the time to let yeah. the character breathe. I, totally. Totally. Um, and, and I feel with this, there was just an assumption that since you know these characters... You're fine. We're just just flying along, and it was combinations of characters that we hadn't really seen before. So it was uh, Chewie and Poe and Finn. The introduction of the MacGuffin, the um, which one? The, oh my god! So in particular, um, the Sith. Is it Wayfair? What, what what's it called? Wayfinder. 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 Yeah, and I mean. I, I could me yeah i believe you're right wayfinder it's just it, it kind of all they all they're doing it's just like i look at this film and i just look at it and think they be questing again and again and again it's like a star wars video game rather than a star wars movie yeah I, yeah i that was because i can't even remember much about the importance of these MacGuffins and why they were so important I just remember that you're frantically chasing them and you didn't really have a whole lot of time to let it sink in why that was so important. Like I, I, I watched this movie last night and I came out a little bit confused as to what the stakes were. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't feel a clear sense of the stakes and why we were running from one place to the other desperately to try and stop Fine. the bad guy. And yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't really clearly laid out to me. We were running at full throttle without a really strong sense of why. Yeah, looking for, looking for the, the, uh, the Star Wars version of Google Maps. And it's just like, look, we've already done a film where the big MacGuffin was a map. Does it have to yeah. be a map in this film too? And I, and I understand the importance of mirroring and the importance of circular narrative, which I adore. I love a circular narrative. You know, I'm a big Grant Morrison fan, so I love when things kind of come come all back around to the beginning. Sure, yeah, when it works. Yeah. Because, times, you know, there, there were, we'll, we'll get into this, but there were moments of, of mirroring that I felt didn't work. Mm. And some that did. But I just think that, that ultimately, the search for the... the the Wayfinder, could have been one act of the film. Instead, they managed to spread it out across all three acts. And it was just like, look, th this is too much. This is taking too long. I I'm, no I'm no longer interested in this object um, because it is just a MacGuffin in the worst sense of the word. It, it just becomes essentially pointless. Yeah. Yeah, if not to the plot then certainly to the emotional resonance of the plot. And, and MacGuffin should always kind of enforce that emotional resonance. I mean, look at look at the arc in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You, you feel it even when it's not there. And this just became, you know, it's just, what is the point of this thing? It's sat-nav. I just, right. who cares? I, I feel like, you know, because there were several artifacts uh, that, you know, you sort of wound up chasing, it got confusing. 
Yeah. The, that, uh, I can't even remember what it was called. The dagger. Did, but there was that triangular green artifact uh, that Kylo Ren gets at the beginning of the No, that, that is the way... Exactly. Here's my problem. Like, we can't even remember. That is the Wayfinder. Oh, that is the Wayfinder. It's okay, one sorry. of two. Uh, yeah, all right, fine. I guess it was the dagger was the other thing that yeah. I was thinking of. And, uh, and like, that... yeah, I mean, like, it, you know, it, it gets muddled in my mind. Like, you know, mm. I'm sure, you know, maybe with a couple more viewings, it'll be clearer to me. But on one viewing, I don't really remember exactly what it did. And like, you know, okay, fine. It took him to uh, Palpatine's lair, I think. Yeah. And that's another thing is that the dagger moves you into a different territory you're suddenly in Lord of the Rings territory if there's a mystical blade. You know what I mean? Like, you're suddenly in the wrong series, and it's just like... Ah, no. I kind of like... One thing I did kind of like about the dagger is mm. the, the C-3PO, like, being unable to translate it. I thought that was kind of clever. Yeah. Uh, because he's not allowed to uh, reiterate anything in the Sith language, even though he can understand it yeah and uh, it, so I, I thought that was kind of funny and clever like i i, I kind of enjoyed that about it but also there was a sense for me of those scenes arising rather than out of an organic story need it's more like anthony daniels walking into kathleen kennedy's office on the last day of the last jedi and going hey look whatever the next one is is going to be my last ever star wars film yeah, give me something meaty. And I'm, I'm glad they did. It was fun stuff. But it also gives rise to another problem with with Star Wars in general and, and with these films in particular is that there's not enough stakes. Consequence. Yeah, there's yeah. no consequence on ultimately to what happens with C3 pickup. It happens and then it's undone. Yeah. Within... 20 minutes and you know it's going to be undone. And it would have been one thing for him to then say, oh no, look, we're going to shut him down completely or, you know, this will make his head explode, you know, or something that that would have completely wiped him out as a character and would have also lent credence then to the kind of killing off of the old Star Wars as we make the new one. And, you know, I would have been fine with it, but... I mean, that that could have had some real emotional impact. Yeah. If they had actually shut down C-3PO and, like, he doesn't wake back up and, you know, and he goes out heroically for the cause, I, I probably would have cried. Uh, but as it stands, they kind of played it for laughs. Yeah. Uh, when, he, when he comes back without his memory and it, you know, basically it lost the emotional impact. And even if they had done what they did and brought him back at the end of the film and had him be repaired and, you know, and everything's okay... Having him like actually shut down and uh, appearing to be completely out of service would have probably like you know hit me in the gut, uh, and so I I felt like they could have handled it a little differently, and it probably would have really worked for me, and that's that's how I felt about a lot of the things that happened in the film, I guess. Yeah, like the, the... they just handled something a little differently, it would have had more emotional resonance, like. Uh, you know, what you were just saying uh, about the fact that there wasn't consequence for so many of the things that happen in this film. For example, characters dying and then being brought back to life in a matter of minutes. Um, <laughs> Ray suddenly having these healing powers that they, you know, they kind of clumsily foreshadow with the snake monster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was very clear. It was like, oh, okay, you're literally just 
can do this so that we know it's going to happen again later in the film in a, a big moment, mm. which is what happens. But I felt like it was a bit clumsy, like they couldn't have had her heal one of her teammates instead, and it wouldn't have felt like such obvious foreshadowing. Yeah, Ray literally becomes the Jedi Jesus, and that, again, lowers the stakes, because if you can simply say that she's all-powerful, you know, where's the danger? There isn't any. Yeah. We're into kind of right. that that sort of... This is the Mary Sue kind of arena, then, that yeah, people... Uh, multiple mm. times for multiple reasons and it's hard to get away from the fact that some of the stuff she does you know has a Mary Sueish quality mm. I, no like I always film, they, kind of, they kind of move her away from it a little further and in part I think that is by giving her a montage like you know at least you see that she's done some training and also giving her Palpatine's lineage as a reason why she's so all powerful you know all powerful it, it just was a bit too far for me Really, and I, I, I don't think she needed it. Now, I've always liked Ray as a character, and Ray's journey has always been of interest to me. But in this, I, I found myself getting less and less interested. I actually found myself getting more interested in, in Finn. Really? And yeah, but again, his plotline and his kind of emotional resonance is siphoned off into other characters. Well, yeah, because like when you say Finn, like for me, I found you know, Finn's storyline in The Last Jedi to be frustrating and even more yeah. than this one. Because okay. to me, it really, in retrospect, I look at Finn's story arc and I feel like it was over in the first film. Right, because he, he was the First Order traitor and he joined the Resistance and that's it, it's done. Yeah, and sure. I don't think that this film does anything to make me feel that he's sort of grown in any other meaningful way since then. He's mm. just kind of there. It, it would have been actually more interesting if at some point he had gone back to the First Order. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, <laughs> like, of things could have happened that I think would have been a lot more interesting. I think that Phasma should have like had a, a an arc through all three films and that it should have been tied to Finn's. That would have been a lot cooler you know, I, for me to see the big battle between him and Phasma at the end of this film instead of the second film. I felt like the introduction of this uh, Jara character uh, with her band of former stormtroopers storm was really unnecessary. Mm. I felt that there was no reason for it, even though she was cool, and even though I kind of liked the idea of this band of stormtroopers, former stormtroopers, you know, being free and being resistance out there somewhere is kind of cool. I felt like her role in the movie took from what could have been Rose's role in the movie. Yeah. Rose had no role in the movie, and that yeah. pissed me off. There were people who liked her and people who didn't like her in The Last Jedi, but no matter what, it's like she's there. She should be used, and she wasn't used. Yeah. And I felt like introducing this Jara character was pointless when you could have had Rose there, like by Finn's side, because they, their relationship together was so important to the second film. It just felt like a really weird choice. Yeah, and speaking of mirroring, if they had started the film with those characters and started the film with Jara, and you would have kind of gone, right, where's this going? This is kind of a nice mirror of, of Force Awakens, and then found a way to seed her throughout the movie, it would have Maybe been more interesting. Like, I, like, honestly, I just felt like, why are you introducing all these new characters now when you aren't servicing the characters you already have? You're literally like throwing Rose 
totally under the bus. <laughs> it was just a and waste. Same with same with Hawks. I felt like I was just really pissed off with the treatment of Hawks as well. Like he's a character that they established in the first movie as someone you know with this really interesting relationship with Kylo Ren, mm. who seemed powerful, who seemed like somebody who would like wind up stabbing Kylo Ren in the back. But they don't make it satisfying. Like, he just gets pointlessly killed halfway through the film. Like, you know, in the blink of an eye. And it's not Kylo Ren who does it. It's like this totally new character. I love Richard E. Grant, don't get me wrong. But, like, that should have been Hawks. You know, where Jara should have been Rose, that should have been Hawks. Right up until the end of the film. It just baffled me. That they just, like, dispatched with these characters that you were meant to believe were important. Who turn out to not be. And that just blows my mind that instead of using like these characters that people are you know want to see more of want to find out what happens it's just like oh no none of that was important um yeah so i was mad about hawks i was mad about rose i'm sure there were others as well sure i know also i think that the huck storyline could have had a lot more resonance again it's the mirroring of the the traitor within the first order if he had actually had his kind of I don't know if, you know, like, like Road to Damascus moment where he realised what a wrong, you know, a sort of inverse of that rather, an inverse of a Road to Damascus moment where he realised that this was just the wrong path and he, and he wanted to save people's lives rather than end them. That would have been a great emotional resonance. But instead, he's just the cartoon again. He's yeah, just the jealous is. older brother. And it's just like, this is so pointless. And, and I think this speaks to... A problem that runs throughout the newer movies, in particular Last Jedi in this one, which is whilst, yes, the films are ultimately made for a young audience and that Star Wars in its original form was made for a young audience, the emotions were quite complex. But now what the audience seems to want is an easy set of emotions because everyone needs to be able to point to the bad guy these days and go that's the bad guy and that's the good guy and I, and I think it is a and I'm sorry to say it, it does seem to come across as a generational thing it's just like look people are not just black and white they are yeah they are complex they have colors they have a diversity of emotion. Everyone wants diversity these days, which I want, I, I love, but no one wants diversity of emotion or morals, especially. God forbid that you live in any kind of morally grey climate. And I, and I think that kind of speaks to a problem with the art we're making now. Well, okay. I, to a certain I, degree. I think that really contradicts that statement about these films is the existence of Kylo Ren as your antagonist, that you follow through the films because he actually is uh, like quite a complex villain, which is what I love. Yeah. His introduction in the first film. It's like, okay, like, is this a character that could be redeemed? Uh, and I, I felt like, you know, that was very interesting. But whether they kind of really followed it through in a satisfying way, I don't <laughs> no, know. because ultimately, and again, spoiler warning, <laughs> even with him turning to the good side which is something they kind of teased at in in Last Jedi. Even with him turning to the good side, he still has to be punished at the end. Yeah, and that pissed me off. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm super mad about that. I'm super mad that they killed him. Like, I just thought that everything that led up to that, it was like, you can be redeemed. Redemption is possible. And Leia sacrifices her life to give him a chance. And then they just kill him anyway. It was very, that was very unsatisfying to me. I, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still not happy. 
about that. I, I feel like, you know, even though they said that this was the end of the Sky, Skywalker saga, I felt like, you know, people have invested a lot in these characters, and I still want to see what happens to them next, and I think a lot of people would want to see what happens to them next. Yeah. And uh, to just give it that finality with his character, I just, mm. I, I was I was annoyed. And also, it's never going to be the end, because Disney loves money. And... <laughs> No, no, but I mean in terms of of this dramatic, it's the end of the Skywalker saga. saga. It's just like, look, it's never going to be the end, guys, because ultimately there's always money to be made. And if if the last few years have taught us anything, is that people love a resurrection and a comeback. And if we can raise mediocre television shows back from the dead, we can do it with one of the most successful franchises of all time. So I, I, don't, I don't believe that it'll be the end end. You know, none of it will ever end. Um, it's not like back in uh, 1983 where you really did think it was going to be the end because there was no question of of this coming back. And also partly because back in 1983, we were, we were putting out a lot more original material. You know, there was a new thing coming the, the next in the next year or so that would be that would knock Star Wars off its pedestal, and there were always different new entertainments coming. Whereas nowadays, I just feel like what you're gonna get ultimately is the same entertainment you had before, but just dressed up in a bunch of different prettier colours. And so, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Sure, it's like I think that it would be fine for them to have wrapped this up and said like yes this is the end to that story but for these characters to still exist in that universe because of course they do and to me like from the from the force awakens mm. uh, kylo ren was the most interesting of the new characters sure uh, and the fact that they've you know gotten rid of him it, you know it, it just it kills some of my fan enthusiasm for the new films and you know, I'd like to see what happens to Ray next. I'd kind of like to see what happens to Finn and Poe next. I mean, I felt like Finn and Poe in this movie, like, you know, as much as I loved seeing them run around together and that they were both there, I just feel like neither of their stories really had a strong arc, ultimately. Like, Poe in this movie, he was fun to watch, but what really happened to him besides he was there and he was chasing stuff around and, you know, he had this flirtation with, uh, Zori, uh, another new character who you never see her face, which I don't know if that was kind of a, a Boba Fett type choice where they thought it would be cooler if you never see her mm. face, but it just kind of left me with more questions like why is she important, why is she here? And you can't really give um, weight to a lot of this stuff because, again, we're not making weighty choices with consequence, you know. Apart from Kylo, who's the other big character that dies? I mean, yeah, you have Leia, but in a way we're already prepared for that because very sadly... Carrie Fisher did actually pass on during, you know, just after Last Jedi, and so you're not. There's no. The talk, cause like I, I really yeah. liked talks in the first movie, and I was really interested <laughs> and invested in what was going to happen to him. And they just like really, you know, dispatch with him unceremoniously, and it's lame, and it's not even Kylo Ren who kills him. That mm. was, you know, that bothered me. And who's who's the other major death? Greg Grunberg. Great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's true. It's like, whilst he's not a huge actor, he is a recognisable known face. Right. So and we were expecting there to be an actual role there, and there wasn't. Mm. He was just there. 
It's just like he's friends with J.J. Abrams, like Greg Grunberg. Yeah. It's just like, oh, okay, you're my friend, so you can be in Star Wars. And again, but not, not actors... No it's like, literally, his lines could have just gone to Rose. If yeah. If you're going to relegate Rose to this, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be a technician in the background role, they could have at least given her Dominic Monaghan's lines. Yeah, and it's like but she was just... She was just Leia's daycarer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what... You, you, your whole purpose is to just stand around giving support to to Leia. And, it, and it's just like, look, this was a character who who, who had a quite an important plotline, whether or not you like that plotline, in Last Jedi. How was she now relegated in this way? And this is the trouble of, of too many characters, in a way, which you, you didn't really have in the first three movies. You know, they introduced them slowly. I mean, by Return of the Jedi, I don't think they were introducing new characters, were they? They not were really. set. No. In fact, I struggle yeah, to think... You know, I mean, because they understood <clears throat> that people cared about the characters they'd already met and wanted to see what happened to them, not get introduced to a bunch of new characters. Like that Zori character, I, here's another thing that bothered me about that, is I felt like her existence was just there to say, like, oh, yeah, I know everyone wants Finn and Poe to be gay together, but they're not. Uh, yeah. So we're just going to, like, make sure you know that by introducing this female character and have Poe want to kiss her. And also, in, in terms of that, there's no risk in the romantic levels. Yes, we have the very first, which I was quite pleased with, the very first gay characters in Star Wars. Oh, my God. But they're like, no. background... Yeah. That, was, that was so, so lame. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, but they're background characters. About how there was going to be gay representation in the new film, and it was literally a blink and you'll miss it kiss between a random <laughs> resistance officer and a random uh, resistance pilot, and that was it. And that's not. I, I mean, so underwhelmed. I don't want to take. Valuable. But Liz, I mean, I don't want to take away from that because it is an important moment, and I think it will be an important moment for a lot of fans, and. Really? Just, I don't know. It was tiny. It was just so yeah. nothing. Uh, if you say you're going to do something, like, and that's what you deliver, it's just, like, it's not enough these days. In 2019, come on. And, and I mean, remember, Star Wars used to be a fairly romantically risky franchise. I mean, you had you actually had a love triangle, almost, in the, in the original Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Luke... Un, you know, not knowing that Leia was his sister was attracted to Leia and Han Solo was attracted to Leia and Leia was attracted to Han Solo but pretended she was attracted to Luke. You know, it, it felt romantically risky whereas in this you get this almost moment where Poe, uh, sorry, Finn could be about to tell Ray that he's in love with her or could be about to say that he's in love with Poe which... Yeah, and they never tell you what it is. Yeah. Like, that was, that was annoying. But they it's certainly... Like, okay, if you're going to bother to have that moment, like, please deliver something. They certainly seemed happy to kind of play up this quasi-romantic squabbling between Poe and Finn throughout the film. And it's just like, yeah. could you please just do something with this? Because at least, yes, it would be interesting. You know, I'd like to see that. I know, and like, the fans desperately wanted it. Yeah. You know? It's been like, since that first film came out, it's been like a huge topic of conversation and you know like fans really want to see that mm. and felt like you know as far as actual romantic chemistry goes like they had it i thought like uh and it would have been really interesting that would have been a really ballsy choice yeah and i would have loved that and, and the fact that they even bothered to introduce this female character uh just to like make sure it was really obvious that <laughs> you know 
Poe and Finn <clears throat> aren't gay together. It just felt like uh, just like kind of lame, and you know, I don't know. And I'm sorry. Like, what was the point of her <clears throat> otherwise? I mean, she looked cool, but really, you know, what was the point? I mean, we've had diversity of uh, representation in terms of the ethnicity of the characters. So why not just go this extra step? Yeah, it just felt like a bit cowardly. Yeah. Me. I mean, you know, everybody, obviously the writers are entitled to their storytelling choices, but, you know, when they had laid out this beautiful bromance between Finn and Poe, it's like, why not take it to a bold place? Mm. To a certain extent, I mean, you'd already had different kinds of sexuality with, they'd kind of flirted with that with Lando and the, I forget the droids designation in um, uh, Han Solo. But it, it, it's still kind of not enough for a lot of fans and, and they need it. And since since this film seems so much about fan service, then why not do that? Because, I mean, that's where the also where the film fell flat for me is they decided to... Uh, indulge? Yeah, indulge both sets of fandom. Like the ha- hardcore old school fans and the new fans. And, and that was just like... You've, you've kind of fallen somewhere in the middle and I would have much rather that the film actually just tried to carve out its own niche rather than do that I, I yeah. don't necessarily need you know as, as, as vocal as I was about my problems with Last Jedi which I, as I think were all to do with characterisation and plot I think that Last Jedi had some serious yeah. uh, trip problems and it also didn't work for me as the middle part of a trilogy yeah are, the, are my main critiques. Mm. I, you know, I, I personally don't really want to get lumped in with this kind of bizarre, angry fandom. Like, that's the thing. I don't like that conversation because I think yeah. it paints you as something uh, one way or the other, whether you liked that movie, and I don't like that about it because mm. I think, you know, my problems with it have nothing to do with this conversation that's grown up around it. It's literally storytelling issues that I have with it. And uh, I think it becomes very clear, having watched this film, why I felt that way. Because I feel like this film was trying to do the jobs of two films. Like, for example, one one thing that it's like, wow, wouldn't it have been cool if... Wouldn't it have been great if they were going to do this thing with Rey being a Palpatine, if that had been revealed in the second film. So, you know, she's already on that journey by the time this film happens because so much expository stuff happens Mm. at the beginning of this film to take you where you need to be so if they weren't going to have the courage of their convictions and stick with the fact that she is the daughter of you know to nobodies uh then then just have that that reveal in the second film so that this film has time to breathe yeah and also if she'd already been on that that, as you say, on that journey, um, imagine if she had joined up with the First Order by the end of of Last yeah. Jedi. Imagine... Yeah, because I mean, like, you know, like, they, they introduced the idea mm. of Vader being Luke's father in Empire, and so you know that time has passed since the end of Empire and the beginning of Return of the Jedi, where he's reckoned with that, and mm. it's not, you know, it's, it's something that he, you know, has already kind of settled into that knowledge and I think that's where we should have started this story with Ray, if that's where they were going to take it yeah I mean imagine how powerful it would have been to have Ray and Poe and Finn separated in a bulkhead or a corridor and Ray choosing to go with Kylo and blast doors closing on her face 
and that's the last look you see, knowing she's going over to the dark side. That would have been astounding, and it would have it would have sort of really put the audience on edge for the next the next movie, and it would have been just such a great starting point. But it just wasn't meant to be, I guess. They're just not interested in exploring. It's not that they're in, not interested in exploring darkness anymore. It's just we want light and fluffy darkness. We don't want actual darkness. And as for the Palpatine reveal, I agree with you in the fact that it would have made it more powerful being in the second film, but also I would have been just as happy if it had been revealed in the last 20 minutes of this film. Like the location of Palpatine had been a secret right till the end. But right at the beginning, you've got the front crawl telling you, oh, the dead speak. Everyone can hear Palpatine talking throughout the... And it's just like, what? What? When is that... In the film, they never tell you what this transmission that he sent out is. No. Apparently, because I was bothered by that, and I was like, why didn't they do that? What was the message? Uh, You had to have watched something on Fortnite to get that message, uh, which I haven't done. Like, is Fortnite a video game? I I believe so. Okay. We're showing our age here, Liz. (laughs) So... Thing you have it in the opening crawl, and you had to watch a video game or something to know what it is. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, yeah, I, I would have been much happier, and, and, and I felt that whole plot line thing was very clunky, very very clunky, and it it just I I don't know. Palpatine the whole time, blah blah blah. Like that could have been really cool. That could have been really cool. That could yeah. have worked really well for me. But the second film again kind of just pulled the rug out and by saying, "Oh yeah, it doesn't matter who Snoke is. It doesn't matter who the big bad is." Blah blah blah. Like you know, uh, it just felt like it was just kind of tucked in there. Like they just were left without a big bad. Like you know, I, I think it would have been cooler if like the reveal had been like, "Oh well, Snoke." You know, like in the second film, you find out, oh, Snoke really was Palpatine. You know, yeah. like uh, somehow, I, I, you know, it's just, it just, <sighs> Palpatine's a great villain, of course. Uh, mm. But how is he back? Like, you know, how did he come back? Did they answer that? I don't yeah. think they did. And also then, you, speaking of like resonances to things like Return of the Jedi, so we go back to Endor, or a moon of Endor, where part of the Death Star has, has crash landed. And I would have liked to have checked in and seen how the Ewoks were now that someone dropped 40% of a space station on their planet. I would have liked some... If you wanted a resonant storyline that was about now, can you talk about the sort of impact that sort of thing would have? Yeah, it's like... You know, and... Yeah, they they didn't really do anything with that. And I, I would have loved somehow if if the Ewoks had somehow come back for... Because I know everyone hates them, that's fine. I mean, I don't. I, I, I thought they were great little characters. If that, if somehow they had come back for the end of this film, and we really would have, again, again had that tying up of all these... These not plot lines, but all these arcs and things, yeah, and, and like, you know everything coming full circle and satisfying closes to story arcs. Yeah, okay. Well, speaking of that, how did you feel about the cameos from Luke and Han? The Han one I could have done without. 
to be brutally honest. Because once again, it's like, look, just let a character be dead. I, I get why it was there, but I, I would have felt maybe a bit more comfortable if that character that uh, Kylo had had the conversation with had been Luke. Does okay, that make yeah, sense for you? Like it was almost it was like Luke. Kylo and Luke. Like I, I really wanted to see that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was Luke and Kylo, like or, or like Kylo was having the same conversation that he had in Force Awakens with um, Han, but with Luke with some of the same dialogue. You know, again, it's it's that mirroring, that resonance. And yeah, see, this mirroring, the, the, the mirroring in the conversation with Han didn't really work for me because it was too echoey. There should have been an actual conversation instead of them just repeating those, those lines. I thought that was, you know, to me, it just was kind of cheesy to have it be an exact mirroring of that conversation. Mm. And then... I, mean, I like the idea of him sort of, you know being able to take it back and make the better decision. But I felt like it was ham-fisted, the delivery of that. You know, and like the big shame, one of the great shames of this film is that uh, I think really the one who was supposed to bring him back from the dark side was Leia. And, you know, I I would have so loved to see a conversation between him and Leia and, and for her to, you know, be the one to bring him back to being Ben Solo. Of course, that was not meant to be, but I think that was probably what they had intended all along. And instead, they had to bring back Han because Harrison Ford's alive and could be the one to forgive him instead of Leia. Yeah, and I just... I don't know. And and then, of course, you have Ray's conversation with Luke. Now, I, I thought it was a lovely touch having the X-Wing being raised out of the water again, which is something I, I remember in the last Jedi re- review I talked about and, and said that I desperately wanted in that film. But again, it all just felt so heavy-handed to me. I feel like there was, there was like an element of the writers of this film have just been looking at all the Reddit threads about <laughs> Uh, but I didn't necessarily need it done in this way. In fact, perhaps it would have been a lot better for Ray to have done it herself. But if they hadn't made Ray so super all powerful, you would have been more surprised by that happening in this film and Ray perhaps finally gaining the ability and power to do it. But unfortunately, they've made her so kind of awe inspiringly powerful that there was nowhere for her to go, really, in terms of power. Like, I, I just felt like, like yeah, of course she's going to take him down. She's going to take everyone down. But, right. You know, but imagine having that on the side of the First Order and then maybe having Kylo have his moment where he realises he's got to turn back to the to the light. That would have been a powerful story. And it's always like, look, anything you, you would have done except what you did would have been great. But instead, yeah. what are we left with? This mishmash. I know, I really wanted to see more of Luke in this film. I I think, like, the moments he had were really nice, but I wanted to see more. I wanted to see him, like, sort of as, like, the voice in Kylo Ren's head, like, following him around. Yeah. Like, being able to kind of have that insight into why Kylo was rustling between the light and the dark. I think it would have been so cool, because, like, that would have been fine. Like, Luke's a force ghost. He could just, like, be following him around, trolling him the whole time, and give him a reason 
to you know sort of have this exposition about why uh, why he would even be thinking about going back to the light because you don't really get that you know he when when he kind of decides that he's done being evil you're not really given a whole lot of reason why uh, you know so it would have been it would have been fun to have that interplay between him and Luke and also he he gets to become the ultimate goth accessory doesn't he the dead boyfriend which oh, I, no. I was just like oh my god yeah I mean did you feel like they had ever teased anything romantic between them y- yes like, I, I did to be fair in, in Last Jedi but at the same time it was just like look you either need to drive that romance towards Finn or have Finn say you know Ray. I'm in love with you, and Ray go, look, sorry, actually, I'm in love with the bad boy here. Yeah. And have that be the triangle and the more interesting kind of thing. Or you need to have just not done it. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like there wasn't enough there to support either thing. Uh, like, if you were going to, like, you know, because in in Force Awakens, they definitely show that Finn is romantically interested in Ray, and then that just kind of goes nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and then, they kind of establish that there could be like some sexual tension between her and Kylo Ren, but they don't really take it anywhere until they, you know, when they do kiss, it doesn't feel earned. Like, you know, it, it feels to me like they, they just didn't do quite enough yeah. to feel that you know, there had been, you know, a real spark between them. So yes. yeah, I don't know. They uh, kiss, yeah, I agree. I box tick. If they were going to do a romantic thing, they should have like built it up more. Sure, it just, it just feels like a box tick, doesn't it? Yeah. It's Star Wars created by bots. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, because, like, I could have I gotten on board for that. Yeah. You know, like, if they gave me a little more reason. I Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I would have been... I don't know. It's, it's almost like you've got to see what a thing shouldn't have been to be able to realise what it could have been. And I feel yeah. that's, that's what we got with this. Uh, I mean, talking about things that I like, though, visually, fantastic. It's probably one of the best-looking Star Wars films out of the entire saga. You know, it, it, it's as good-looking and interestingly lit as Empire, which is saying something, because Empire was by far the best lit of all the Star Wars films for me. The music, of course, is, is wonderful and stirring and rousing. Um, it was great to see John Williams actually appear in the movie. When did he appear in the movie? Oh, so he's in a scene, I think it's the scene where they go to the planet to to find the little droid hacker guy. Is it Babu Fripp? Babu Frick. Babu Frick, yes. So when they go and they're in the bar, there's a guy, a bearded guy with like one eye is electronic and that's John Williams. Oh, I didn't notice. Like, uh, there are probably going to be things that I pick up on on a subsequent viewing. Yeah, I mean, I, I might be getting mixed up. It might be in a different scene, and I'm just I'm just utterly confused. But yeah, John John Williams has a cameo, which is nice. What about Billy D. Williams? What did yeah, you think about that? oh man, I don't know. It just you, you know, um, I, I spoke to a mutual friend of ours the other day, uh, um, who I've got to give a shout out to, Mr. Paul Taylor. Um, <laughs> and we were talking about the film and he, and he said don't you think it would have been nice if if every moment that Billy D. Williams was in wasn't a hey I'm Billy D. Williams kind of moment um, and, and it's, he's right 
there was no kind of gravitas to that at all. It was just all done with a wink and a nudge. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think what else I liked. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I didn't I didn't come away hating the film. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just picking it apart. Like, yeah. you know, I, I didn't hate it either, actually. But, like, you know, of course, I just want to dissect it. Uh, and, 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 you know, uh, get off my chest everything that annoyed me about it. But I did actually enjoy it and will watch it again multiple times. I liked, I think, you know, I think that uh, Ray and Ben, like, you know, even though it was kind of like clunky sometimes, you know, I liked their journeys overall. I felt like the things that I wanted to ha- happen to them did happen, maybe just not with as much grace or nuance as I would have liked. Like, I wanted right from the beginning for, like, Ray to find out that she had some, you know, powerful connection to the Skywalker, you know, lineage one way or the other, whether it was, you know, to one of the villains or to one of the heroes, and to have to reckon with that and to have to come into her power and to go from being orphan in the desert to the savior of the universe. Like, I, you know, all that happened. I wanted uh, Kylo Ren to go from the dark side to being redeemed and embracing his Skywalker lineage and and having, you know, a heroic ending. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I really wanted to happen right from the beginning did happen and it did pay off. Just, uh, it was a little clunky. I feel that Ray did actually do complete that journey. Although I think she went from being the orphan in the desert to being the orphan in the desert, but by choice almost, where it was a conscious choice. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Sure. Like I, mean, I, I guess she's technically still an orphan, hmm. but it's uh, but she now has a sense of identity and she identifies as a Skywalker. Yeah. Which I thought was nice. I Although, thought that was actually a really nice ending for her. I liked her ending. I, I would have been equally happy if when asked, you know, what's your name... She had said, you know, it's just Ray. And I would have been equally happy in that because I, li- I would have at least felt like she had suddenly come to terms with the fact that she's just Ray. Well, you know? I, I, like, I, I didn't like how, you know, I mean, because uh, as they pointed out, technically uh, Ben Solo is, you know, the last of the Skywalkers and they killed him off. Yeah. Which I thought was just really unnecessary. Uh, I've already said that, but, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll say it again. But of course, then uh, you can't you can't call like them. A, you know. So I like that she's taken on the name, so that there is a Skywalker out there. Mm. But yeah, ultimately, I think what we have is the culmination of a lot of missed opportunities. Still a rousing film, still has its moments, but you know, and I'll, I'll still, I'll still, as soon as this movie's available, I'll run out and buy it, no doubt, as I did yeah, yeah. before I mean, the Star yeah. Wars movies. Me too. Like I, I thought. This- were really stunning like I loved that uh that big fight between Ray and Kylo Ren uh you know while they have all the waves crashing over them yeah you know there there were some really cool moments the chase the chase in the desert was excellent and the the kind of quicksand I I, I like that stuff uh yeah the big moment when she like kind of uh flips backward up in the air and like you know uh slices his ship in half yeah. Uh, yeah, there was, yeah. So, I, yeah, it's a mixed bag. Definitely. 
definitely. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what what to say about it really. It's um, I, I think there's there's a vast chunk of the audience that's going to feel a lot different to the way I do. And again, I, I do have that sense as I did with the Last Jedi of just kind of being, ah, uh, they're not making these for me anymore, and that's fine. There's a whole new audience for whom the this story will have resonance and will mean something. But I think we're now very much into a territory of big franchise filmmaking with the safety wheels on. Here's what I feel about this movie very much. Mm. Is that it had a really, really hard task to accomplish. Sure. You know, it was trying to please everyone and do everything. And in doing so, I feel like probably didn't really satisfy anyone. I feel like they were trying to really, like, appease, like, you know, the people who wanted the fan service. Like, you know, like, uh, they gave Chewie his medal, finally. Which I I liked that moment. Did you? Okay. I felt like it was a little hammy. Like, you know, I thought it was, like, kind of a nice wink. But things like that where I just felt like a box tick, like, you know, and a... You know, and, and just, like, really trying to please these fans who were mad about The Last Jedi because it, you know, it took away from the mythology that they believed in. Mm. And it was also trying to appease the fans of The Last Jedi and say, oh, no, 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 we still really, you know, the new characters are really important and, you know, so we won't show you as much of the old characters. Uh, I just feel like it was trying to do too many things. Ultimately, I felt like that, that was to its detriment. Isn't it telling that even amongst the two of us, the things that we liked are completely different in, in places. <laughs> like, yeah. it, which yeah. just goes to show how how kind of lacking the like, film is in a definitive yeah. kind of way of pleasing its its audience. There are, li- are going to be little things that please everyone here and there, but I think overall as a film, it's, it's sort of like, you know, eating a bunch of junk food. It's like you're full but not satisfied. Sure. But, you know, I'll eagerly await whatever comes next in the Star Wars um, universe. I'll, I'll happily go, go and see... Um, I'll see The Mandalorian when it comes over over in the UK on Disney+. Plus, and, of course, the Obi-Wan series. But really, in a way, I think for interesting Star Wars stories, it feels like the only place they can go now is backwards. They can only dive into the Star Wars mythos rather than creating uh, new legends do you know what i mean um i would like to think otherwise i was really interested in seeing what uh D, you know uh game of thrones creators were gonna do although it seems like that's not gonna happen now yeah i, uh, I, ca- I felt like they could take you know take you know, they're, they're very good at like the world building and stuff mm. and uh I, I felt like that it would be in good hands with them uh, to build something new out of the universe itself, because I think the universe itself, uh, you know, there's lots of interesting places that you could take it going forward. You know, yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. I feel like, you know, a lot of people will be more interested in the history of the universe leading up to A New Hope. Yeah, and there's always been a certain lean towards that already with Rogue One and, and Solo. And then, of course, even between the, the movies, that there is a chasm of, of time that, that's, that's yet to be filled. I mean, The Mandalorian, as I understand, takes place between uh, Return of the Jedi and whatever comes after. That's an interesting universe, the post-Empire universe. 
and the rise of the First Order and, and things like that will, will be of interest to people, I think. And, and I'll certainly be interested. And let's face it, I'll still watch anything Star Wars. <laughs> it's I'm, I'm not going to kind of throw my toys out the pram and just go, no, no more. <laughs> I'll still... I'll still happily lap up whatever they put out. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, I'm, I'm glad it's kind of over to a certain degree. At least this part yeah, of it is. I mean, I kind of hope that we see these characters again. Hmm. You know, it, it, I, I do because I, I still feel like I want to know them more. And I think it would be kind of a bummer to have gotten invested this much at this point and not see where it goes from here. Sure, but I guess I guess we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean I don't have anything else to add to this. I I think I'm 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 kind of Star Wars out now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, there's more I could say, but uh, I think we we've really hit our main beats. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching it again. Mm. I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Cineworld, where I I saw the film. I really enjoyed the screen I was in. It was a really lovely, comfortable screen. Um, I saw it in one of their super screens. And you can, of course, uh, get yourself a Cineworld Unlimited card to to make sure you see all these new, great, big Hollywood movies. Uh, It's certainly one of the things I I enjoy about having one is that I get to go and see these films straight away. But I really enjoyed it. So thanks, Cineworld. That's, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got for this movie. Well, I I had, you know, so been looking forward to discussing it with you. uh, (laughs) Me too. You know, uh, on on a rare occasion, we are, in fact, on the same page. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, as with Last Jedi, maybe it's only Star Wars films we're destined to agree about, Liz. What do you think? Maybe, yeah. Okay, well, bring on the Mandalorian. Oh my god, yeah. Which we'll certainly be be uh, uh, doing on a future episode. But uh, thanks everyone for listening, and thank you, Liz, for joining us all the way from America. Uh, it's it's such a pleasure to talk to you as always, and I hope we can do this again soon. Me too. My pleasure. Okay. See ya. Bye. You can get tickets right now for Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker at Cineworld.com, and you can choose between IMAX, 4DX, ScreenX, or SuperScreen at one of their great cinemas across the country. And give them a follow on Twitter at Cineworld. Check out our Star Wars reading list in the back matter on thecomiccrush.com, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the Comic Crush. And if you like our stuff and want to help us make more great comics content, think about supporting us on Patreon. Follow Liz at Liz C. Jordan and find me at Man Read Comic. But for now, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.